This is ContraZoom. Where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault. And I'm Rachel Ho. Just two short weeks ago, the British Film Institute released its once-a-decade sight-and-sound poll of the greatest films of all time. If you follow film discourse at all, since then you would have been consumed by it all. The surprise new number one film, too many new movies added, too many classics that fell off the list, the fact that movies now are too woke, the release of ballots and the criticism of some lists being too obscure and others being too mainstream, it literally seemed like everyone had something to say and odds were that it was negative. In anticipation of this list, though, we decided to conduct our own poll. Sure, over 1,600 critics and almost 500 directors were polled for the two lists, but a lot of podcasters and bloggers who make up a large portion of the film criticism community these days were left out. So we're going to talk about the official list, reveal our own list, and talk about what movies we voted for on our own list since, you know, we're not actually official voters, and uh, who we would have voted for if we sent in an official ballot. But before we get into all this, we do have some exciting news and some housekeeping to announce, but before that... First of all, Rachel, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm excited for this. We've been like, I think both of us have been looking forward to this episode for like, I don't know, quite a while now, actually. I think for like, yeah, a few months now. So I'm excited that we actually get to do it. Um, Yeah, looking forward to it. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, this this has sort of been sort of consuming my life. Yeah. Like anytime I'm thinking about the podcast, I'm like, oh yeah, the science sound pool. How how am I going to do this? And like. The amount of times we pushed this episode back because I wasn't sure when the official list yeah. was coming out. It was, I think, in the summertime we talked yeah. about you. You brought this up, um, but I just want to say you did a hell of a lot of work on this episode in terms of getting this list together um, for other, like the ContraZoom list, and contacting so many people. Uh, and I was completely useless in this endeavor. So, um, well done to you, and thank you for doing all of that. And I'm sorry I was such a dead weight on that. That's okay. You. Um... I did nothing on it. Don't even try. I did nothing on it. This was all you. And I think it turned out really well. Like I think that, yeah, sure. I was providing moral support, but I think it's cool. Like you did put in a lot of work and I think that it should be recognized because I think that the list that um, it's a cool idea to like come up with a separate list. I know that there's lists like all over the place, but like the idea of talking to, you know, pot, like you said, podcasters, vloggers, bloggers, you know, people who will, most likely never get a chance to put their two cents in on a, on a poll like sight and sound. Um, I think you provided a really great opportunity for people. Well, thank you very much. I, I hope these people do check it out uh, and they enjoy it as well. And, you know, we maybe get some new uh, fans and subscribers that way. That would be uh, the ultimate end goal. <laughs> <laughs> but also to incur- encourage film discourse, of course. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> now the the big announcement I teased at the end of the last episode and I know I've had a few people reach out and be like oh I'm very curious to hear uh, what this is all about and I know uh, Matthew who was on the last episode with me uh, was also very curious I guess before I get into the announcement have you seen The Captive yet? No and I, I so I just recorded an episode with Matthew for um, Awesome Friday and I told him I'm like I haven't listened to your guys' episode either <laughs> and- I, I didn't. I haven't seen the captive, but um, I don't know. Ryan Fair Reynolds. Enough. How what version of Deadpool was he in this movie? He was um, not Deadpool, which was great. Oh. Yes, Nancy. Look yes. At, see, this is the thing, and I'm sure you guys talked about this. But when Ryan Reynolds actually just does things that are not Deadpool and Deadpool like, 
he's very good. <laughs> like he's good. Yeah. And like, he does cool stuff and interesting things. But what was that movie that we saw with um, Jeff and Pierre? Oh, the voices. Yeah. Like something like that. And then yeah. the buried buried is another good example mm-hmm. of that. Like he does cool stuff, but I guess Deadpool pays the big bills. That's yeah. what's important. Deadpool doesn't, De- Deadpool doesn't pay the bills. Deadpool uh, buys the houses. It buys the it's not houses they're like estates <laughs> they're yes. estates that they buy yeah deadpool buys the football teams yeah and potentially a hockey team potentially yes. the senators <laughs> as well so who knows yes. um but yeah I, I i will one day i will get to it and i will watch the captive and i will listen to the episode Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, well, ha- half the episode is us uh, complaining about plot holes, and the other half is us um, complaining about Ryan Reynolds not being in good movies anymore. So, but were you guys relatively positive on him, on this one being, like, a decent movie? Like, at least um, decent? I know you said plot we, holes, we were. Like- it's it's funny. We we both were saying the same things about mm-hmm. our issues with the movie, but I was a bit more positive on it. Uh, okay. We don't we don't really give out number grades on this movie like like you do on Awesome Friday when you're over there. Um, mm-hmm. If I were to imagine out of five, I imagine uh, Matthew probably would have given it a two, and I probably would have given it like a three. Okay, all right, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. I will. One day. It'll happen one day. I'm not going to commit to saying that I will definitely do it, but it will one day happen. Okay. But I've postured long enough and uh, got some news to announce. This has kind of been uh, going on a little bit behind the scenes for a little bit now. Um, But Rachel, you've been writing for that shelf for a while. But today I want to announce that ContraZoom Pod will be joining the That Shelf family of podcasts. You will still be able to find the show wherever you normally listen to podcasts. That's Spotify, that's Apple, iTunes, whatever it's called these days, Google Podcasts. I'll still post the show up on YouTube. Every podcatcher that I find, I I submit it there. You can find it everywhere. But you'll also be able to find it over on thatshelf.com as well. It means we're going to get exposed to a larger audience that they already have. And what I hope is, you know, another great film podcast added to their roster. On their network, they already have many shows there over the years, but some of the current active shows include Bad Gay Movies, hosted by the excellent Bill Antoniou, who's been a guest on this show numerous times, and someone who, uh, when you and I were first talking about this idea, I reached out to him you and uh, and kind of had a bit of a discussion about uh, what it was like joining the That Shell family for him and how it was working for him, and he, he only had positive things to say. So I think that was, between the two of you, was really a, a good convincing factor that this was the right move to make. But there's also uh, Spoiled Rotten, where they look at comic book adaptations, and Black Hole Films, which is hosted by Jeremy Lalonde, uh, the great director, who his name is actually going to uh, come up later in this show as well. Uh, But I want to thank Will Perkins, the founder and publisher of That Shelf, for bringing us on and the rest of the That Shelf team who have been uh, so welcoming so far. So this is a huge uh, move in our evolution. And uh, thank you to you, Rachel, for helping to, uh, to put this in motion. No problem. I think I don't, I, again, similar with the science of this list, I didn't really do very much other than um, connect you guys. But uh, yeah, that shelf's been a great house to kind of put your writing in. And um, it's a nice team. They're all very quite supportive. So uh, Bill, I think was probably the one that he, he has the most insight since he's been doing 
How long has he been doing his podcast with that shelf? Quite a while, I would assume. I don't know if he's been um, with them the whole time or not, but he's been doing the uh, bad gay movies, I believe, since 2013. So he's been doing it for oh, a while. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but Bill's very involved with that shelf as well, like with his criterion um, lists and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a nice fit and um, kind of nice to have to be a part of like a little family. This is the first one that since I've come on um, where we've we've kind of joined with um, a larger network. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. And um I, I annoyed Bill right away by signing up for one of his uh, that Criterion Shelf articles, uh, and he gave me a nice welcome message on the Slack channels of um, uh, of teasing me right away. Which it wouldn't be Bill if you wouldn't be teasing. You did call him the. Would you call him excellent or amazing? Yeah. Uh, what, what did I you say? Him a very Hosted po- by the excellent Bill Antonio. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, there that's you your go. one compliment, Bill. There you go. Yeah, because I know you're listening to this because he still sends me corrections every episode. <laughs> As he should. Yeah, yeah keep it honest. <laughs> keep it honest. It just means he's listening. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. <appreciate> that. <laughs> um, and one last thing before we get into all this, uh, I always mention at the end of the show. But if you are a new listener to us and you're liking what you're hearing, you end up checking other episodes out. Uh, you can also support us on Coffee. You can find a link in the show notes or on our website contrasoompod.com. And any little bit kind of helps uh, help pay for for server costs, back end costs, editing, post production stuff that that all goes on in this end. And it's uh, it just really means a lot to both of us when when you kind of help out with independent people like ourselves who are just trying to have a little bit of fun and and talk about movies and, and share our love with everyone. All right. So as I said earlier, two weeks ago, the official site and sound poll did come out, and uh, oh boy, was there discourse about this. Uh, <laughs> Continues I, I, to be. It hasn't ended yet. Like it oh, hasn't it, ended. <laughs> It's shocking. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, it'll be a couple days and then the news cycle will move on. And it sort of did. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, but did you hear about Ty West's ballot? It's like, oh, my God, people, why why is everyone so goddamn negative? This is a, a celebration about movies and film and our passion for it. And the response is, how can I shit on this? <laughs> I think it didn't, not that it didn't help, but like, because th- that shouldn't be a thing. But like, I think the fact that it is December, so a lot of publications are coming out with their end of year lists. Um, that has definitely, I think, exasperated the whole idea of like critics lists mm-hmm. um, and sight and sound being the biggest one and also like the most comprehensive one. Um, well, arguably, depending on who you <laughs> talk to. But like, mm-hmm. it's not this year is what I mean. Like, it's not just talking about 2022. And uh, I think that that's definitely kind of magnified what people's feelings on lists. And the thing that I will say um, that I've seen other people kind of mention, it's just like, you're welcome to make your own list. <laughs> like you're very welcome to like put your own list out there and put it. Cause like art is subjective at the end of the day. And um, so, you know, for all those people out there who are criticizing these lists, just make your own list and be in like, yeah, enjoy it. Like that's kind of part of the fun is coming up with these things. Yeah, yeah. It's it's annoying the discourse for me where, you know, uh what is it? I think it's three new movies were added from this decade. Mm-hmm. And, and and the reaction has been like, Oh, you mean to say this is better than The Godfather Two? It's like, no, that's not what it's saying. It just means that it, like <laughs> it appeared on more people's lists. The Godfather yeah. Two was on plenty of people's lists, but like that seemed to be the reaction is like 
this is better than this movie. How is that possible? How is Get Out better than this movie? And it's like, that's not what they're saying. This is like, it's almost like people forget what, what the concept of a list like this is of, of a poll is. It's not saying this is right. And everything else is wrong. It's saying, Hey, this is what 1600 people more or less sort of think. I think that's like the issue with just Twitter in general is or social media. I shouldn't just say Twitter. I think it's just social media in general is like, um, I actually just saw someone where some, um, something on Twitter where they were saying like, you put out a statement about anything and everybody will make it about themselves. Like, how does this affect me individually? Because I think the way that they worded it was, I am the protagonist of, uh, of this reality. So it must Mm -hmm. affect me and I need to share what that means. Um, but like you said, like these lists, the top 10, I was, we, we didn't record this bit, but Matthew and I were talking before we were recording about like, we we're talking about these lists actually. And I was just saying like, there's no such, in my opinion, there's no such thing as the greatest movie of all time. Like you can't really say that. Um, and such like, it's just people's opinions of it. And so what Sight and Sound does is they just, like you said, they poll 1600 plus people. Um, from v- varying walks of life and and different you know careers and things like that and ages and all that kind of thing, um, and this is just the amalgamation of what everybody's personal what they believe to be the top ten or mm-hmm. whatever uh, doesn't necessarily mean though that there is a greatest movie of all time and I will stand but I don't think that there is a greatest movie of all time because it depends on what your definition of great and like how mm-hmm. are you defining what is best like. It, it's very, it's very, very subjective. This exercise, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because then you, you're considering factors like um, originality, replayability, um, impact, like on impact, on yeah, yeah. All the all these different criteria where you're going to individually weigh it differently compared to mm-hmm. someone else. Like you and I, we're two people in in our list of like what would constitute a greatest movie would be very different, even though yeah. if we can probably come to the conclusion of, you know, the same handful of movies should be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And and it might even be, even if we can agree on say, like here are the three that we both can say, these are the three greatest of all time to us. The, the reason they're the greatest could be very different. Like we could yeah. be seeing them in a very different way. So yeah, people stop arguing about these things. It is fruitless. And these lists are just kind of, I would say like take it, it use it as an opportunity to say like, okay, I don't know a ton of these movies go out and get them. Never before has it been yeah. easier to like access films, whether legitimately or illegitimately, like it's not tough anymore to find movies. So yeah. if you've never heard of this random Italian movie, go find it like, and you might enjoy it. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and I think that was like the big, I saw a great reply to the Ty West uh, ballot and people were mocking it because it was basic, basically, uh, if you haven't seen Ty West ballot, if you were to say, okay, Rachel, close your eyes and, and pick what you think are probably going to be the 10 movies that are going to show up. That's what Ty West ballot is. Like it doesn't have like a, any left field picks. It doesn't have any, you know, you would expect him as a horror director to have like some deep horror cuts or things like that. It's not, it's like what you'd expect it to be. And so I saw a great reply to his list basically being like when Ty West was growing up, you know, there wasn't the internet. You, mm-hmm. if you grew up in a small town, you had very limited options of hoping that your local video store would have something or your library would have it as well. And so the types of movies you were exposed to was very limited. So you were told, hey, Citizen Kane, 
That's the pinnacle for movies. And you go, great. Yes, I watch it. It's great. This is the pinnacle of movies. And you don't have the ability to really find the the hidden niche stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I, I read that and I was like, man, that's a great reply of like, hey, guys, like get off his ass. Like yeah. this list is still good. Like it doesn't have like what you would probably want Ty West list to look like, but at the same time, you know, he, he grew up being like being told these are the greatest films of all times. Yeah. I I kind of agree. These are the greatest movies. I just looked up how old he is and he's like born in 1980. So like, yeah, those are like, I kind of expect that from somebody who grew up in the eighties and the nineties. Like those are the movies that you would think are the best ones. Um, But the funny thing to me is like, as much as people are shitting on Ty West uh, for being too populist, there were a ton of people who were also saying this list is too vague. I don't know any of these movies. So it's like, what do you guys want? <laughs> like you can't, yeah. you can't please everybody. And like, again, like that's, that's the whole point of these movies. Like these lists is, is there is no, there is no right answer. Even though there is a number one, two, three, four, five, whatever, there genuinely is no correct answer of what constitutes the best film of all time. The greatest film of all time. Uh, I know. I think that's what they label the, uh, list as right it's like the sight and sound greatest films of all time is that what they call yes. it you know that's a nice little pitchy headline but it's it's just not true like that's it's mm-hmm. not it's it's the greatest films aggregated according to 1600 plus critics mm-hmm. yeah absolutely from around the world uh, so let's correct let's sort of reveal what the top 10 is do you want to say the name of the the first no no, no there, i want to someone you your last name is arsenal and so i feel like this should be you um, I'm just going to say the short form. <laughs> Jean Dielman, 23 Croix du Commerce, 1080 Bruxelles. Um, so Bill, here's your chance to send in your correction now. Uh, I believe 1080, something. you could, it would be what? Un mille quatre vingt. I think that's it. Hey, your French is Nailed better it. than mine. I also believe Thank it's you. Jean Dielman. Jean? Jean Dielman? Um, I, I, I don't know. Every time I hear it mentioned by, by English critics, it's always Gene Dealman. So that's, that's what I'm going yeah. for. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, Bill. Um, <laughs> that, that was the number one. It was, it was the big news because it never, I think previously in 2012, it's highest that it was ever been was number 36. And so it jumped all the way up. Number two, we have Vertigo. Number three, we have Citizen Kane. Number four is Tokyo Story. Number five is In the Mood for Love. Number six is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Number seven is Beau Travai. Number eight is Mulholland Drive. Number eight is Man with a Movie Camera. And number 10 is Singing in the Rain. So there you have it. That is the the top 10. You can find it anywhere else. The whole list of 100. They are going to list the expanded list of, I believe, 250 later on. Oh, wow. um, yeah, of what uh, the, the rest of the votes were. But uh, but that's the top 10. And honestly, I look at that. And I'm like, that's a, a really solid film. You know, for the first time ever, number the number one film is a, is a movie directed by a woman. We've got uh, movies in different languages and one, uh, one documentary. We've got different kinds of styles and genres going on. I look at this list. And I'm like, you know what? If you're new to film and wanting to really do a deep dive, you can't really go wrong with this list. This is a pretty solid top 10. I'd agree. I mean, like there's a few in there I, I haven't seen specifically towards the end, um, but I think it's a pretty good mix. And like, and I think that, you know, I, I know 
2000 and um or in the mood for love is from 2000 Mulholland drives 2001 but like i would say considering film history like that's relatively recent like that's a pretty modern time um Absolutely. so i think it's yeah, i think it's cool that there's some from 1929 and then you have something from 2001 like i, I think it's mm-hmm. really cool um and important like i don't i know that there's a whole thing about should new movies Again, those aren't really new, um, in, especially in comparison to like something like Get Out or Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, is that the Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Yeah. Uh, you know, those are... I understand the argument that maybe newer films shouldn't be included, but um, I do like that the top 10 has some modern uh, options on there. Because I do, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a really good list. Yeah, I haven't seen three of the top ten. I haven't seen Gene Dillman, Bo Travai, or Man with a Movie Camera. So I can't really comment on on those three in particular. But the the other seven, I'm a, I'm a big fan of of all of them. I sure as I haven't seen seven through ten. Bo Travai, Mulholland Drive, Man with a Movie Camera. I haven't seen Singing in the Rain. Whoa. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I've just never seen it. Um, I, I get the gist of it, but like, yeah, I've just <laughs> never seen it. Um, John Delmon, though, I'll say we've mentioned Bill a few times uh, in this podcast, oddly, but he did a one of the Criterion shelves uh, that he put together. And we can get the date on this. This was on May 1st. So the May, or I guess it would have been the April um, list, but uh, it was about uh, Delphine... Cyric, that's that's the extent of my French. Um, but who is the star? She is Jean Delmon, and um, so I watched it earlier this year um, for the Criterion list, and I loved it. Like it's genuinely a really great movie. So when I saw it um, on coming up as number one, like I thought it was, I, thought, I I didn't realize it had never appeared on the list, which actually to me seems like a very big. Uh, that's a blind spot of the list. The fact that it's, this is the first time it's shown to the movies from it's, 1975. It's never, it's never appeared in the top 10. Oh, it's okay. It's been on the list okay. before. It was number okay. 36 in 2012. Okay. I thought people were being like, it's just never appeared. And I was like, Oh, that's no. kind of weird. Um, okay. Well, if that's the case then, um, then yeah, I, but I think it's a tremendous movie and it's, there's a lot to be said about it. It's a very unique film um in the way that it was made and it's just it's an incredible story and i know a lot of people are pointing at being like oh it's like a feminist movie and yes it is like there is it is about a woman and it is about um a woman a woman's life and a woman's journey and what she has to go through on a day-to-day uh, albeit in a bit of extreme situations but um it's a great movie so for anybody out there who hasn't seen it um definitely find a way to watch it because it's excellent it's a very very good movie mm-hmm yeah, I'm I'm very excited, and it, this is one of those things where like I've always wanted to watch it, but it, it's a very long movie. It's, I think it's three and a half it hours. Is. Yeah, and so that's sort of been like a a bit of a hindrance for me. I'm like, that's a long that's a long movie, but I think this is sort of like giving me the the kick in the butt, being like, no, you really got to watch this movie. So I'm gonna try. Hopefully this year, if not uh, in the near or very near future. And, and Bo Travai is another. We got two movies yeah. on here directed by women, which is awesome. A Claire Denis movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Her her masterpieces as far as most people are, are concerned uh and one that i've also always wanted to see you're talking about modern movies botravai only came out in 1999 so yeah. th- one year before uh in the mood for love so yeah it's it's also a very recent movie in terms of movie standards go yeah and i think like again it's important that we that or we as a film community like when you're going to have a list like this that you do cover the different eras of film because each era of film 
has contributed something different to to film history and to the film tapestry as it were um but yeah like i i think having movies like that like like tokyo story being in there to me is um so great it's so great and it's also one of those like of course it should be in there you know yeah. like it's it's a no-brainer and um obviously i was very happy that in the mood for love was in there but again not a surprise to me because i know that it is very very well loved um rightly so uh, and yeah, I, I, you know, vertigo, I think it's, it's always, we talk about Hitchcock a little bit and like we, you know, which is the, the best Hitchcock is kind of difficult to say, but I, like, I mean, mm-hmm. these guys say it's vertigo and I, it's my personal favorite of Hitchcock's, but, um, yeah, like I, and a filmmaker who has influenced a lot of, um, what has come after him. So like, I think all of this is great. And also there's like singing in the rain, even though I haven't seen it, it's a musical and that's pretty cool that there's a musical in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. O- overall, I'm, I'm very happy with all this. And it's interesting. Um, you know, people were sort of predicting what would be coming out on top and, uh, the voting pool was expanded for this poll in a way that they have never expanded as aggressively, uh, intentionally getting, uh, more people from around the world, younger people, more women, more people of color. And so that was a big focus. And that, that's sort of been, uh, you know, a big thing that a lot of film organizations have been trying to do. The Oscars and the Golden Globes specifically have very publicly uh, been trying to uh, change their uh, membership look uh, and and hoping that that sort of makes film more inclusive because, you know, you look through the history of film, it's very dominated by white men and you look at past lists and that's sort of where the lists go. And, and so, you know, we got people like Paul Schrader who very unfortunately looks at Gene Dealman being the number one movie in uh, crying wokeism is, is, you know, ruling it. And it's like, well, you know, maybe if you had included women and people of color and people not from America from the start, you know, it wouldn't be such a shock that movies not made in America and not made by men are very well received. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the place to get into all that, but it's just like, it is, it is it's just frustrating. Cause like when people say that they're just basically, you know, they just want things to be as they were, as they have been for decades upon centuries in specifically yeah. in America, right? Like that's what people are looking for. Or I shouldn't say America, I should say the West, generally speaking. Um, and they're not really ready to let go of that status quo. Cause quite frankly, like unless you're saying everybody purposely picked um, Jean Dumont because it's about a like it is it is a feminist movie like if that's why you think that that's why they chose it one you probably haven't seen the movie um but two like you know tough shit as far as i'm concerned <laughs> it's just like look there's there's more people who watch movies and have um educated opinions on them um than white dudes so or older white dudes actually like middle-aged to older white dudes mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think the age thing like we we talk about the entrance of um, some very new movies like, you know, Get Out, Portrait of Lady on Fire, Parasite being the other one, I think was, th- 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 those yeah. were the three most recent, right? Um, you know, we talk about that and that has something to do with the fact that you're you're reaching out to younger um, people. And, and again, that's a good thing. Like you should be getting younger people involved because 
at a much younger age now, I think people are starting to get into cinema, whereas maybe before it was more of a thing from, you know, post-secondary, like a college university age. Uh, now it's like you could be in grade school and really, really get into movies and have a very good opinion on them that deserves to be shared. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the fact that like now, you know, any kid, like I feel like for the most part, you, you sort of start branching out and exploring what you want as a person once you're kind of in your teenager years, you mm -hmm. know, that's when you want to form your own identity and, you know, you don't want to just listen to the music that your parents play or watch the <laughs> movies that they want to watch or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so you can go like, Oh, what's this? Okay. Criteria. Uh, we can watch this on the Criterion. They've got, I think 50 of the 100 movies on the Criterion channel right now. Um, I'm sure some of them are on like HBO max or yep. depending on where you live in the United States, Hulu, Amazon prime, Netflix, most of these movies are probably pretty easily found. And if they're not on one of the main streaming sites, there are other ways to watch it. You know, there's legal ways of, you know, going to your local library and stuff like that, where they very likely have it. If you want to spend the money, I'm sure Criterion has the physical releases of most of these movies at some point mm -hmm. or another. Um, or, you know, you can go to torrent sites and they will be there as well. And if you're a, you know, a 15, 16 year old being like, Hey, I do want to see what all this fuss is about, about this number one movie. Let me find out about it. You can do that. You can find out what all the fuss is about and yeah. make your own opinion on it. Absolutely. And which is, I mean, that's something even you and I, like we're not that old, um, like we're older, but we're not like old, old. And it's like, even <laughs> you and I, like when we were in high school, this wasn't an option yet. Nope. Like it wasn't possible. You basically lived and died by whatever your local video store had and maybe the yep. library, but um you know, you mentioned you could go to your library and get it. You could get your library card and there is a like online borrow. You can use Canopy, like, yeah. Digitally borrow, yeah. Or like use, um, what's that streaming service? Hoopla? Hoopla, Hoopla, yeah. Hoopla or Canopy, yeah. Yeah, and like that's incredible. So it's like they don't even need to have the actual tape or disc, I guess disc now, um, in the library for <laughs> you to, 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 to actually go in and um, loan. Yeah. It could just be a digital file. Like it's so incredibly easy for people to get access movies and and music as well. Like just generally anything. Never before has it been this easy to access like old entertainment. Um, and people should stop complaining and go take advantage of it. <laughs> yes, I 100% agree. Um, okay, one thing I also want to talk about is how many of these we've seen. You know, they've released the 100. How many of the 100 have you seen, Rachel? 39. I know you're oh, at okay. higher than me. Yeah. I am at 47. Yeah. And it's funny where because of this stupid bubble that we live in, in, in our social media circles, everyone's posting. I'll be like, Oh, I'm at, I'm only at like 72. I'm so far behind. <laughs> oh, I feel so uneducated. And I'm at 47. I'm like, what, what is going on? Am, am yeah. I the one that's out of touch? Matthew and I were kind of talking about that a little bit last week. And I'm in a couple different discord groups for, for movies. And, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm only at 47. Oof. And people are like, I've seen three. I was like, oh, okay. You know what? Maybe I need yeah. to sort of reevaluate my perspective yeah. on this a little bit. <laughs> well, I like, I just, there were a lot of movies on there that, like, not only have I not, like, there were some that I was like, oh, I should probably watch this at some point. Um, but there are a lot of movies on there. I'm like, I've never heard of this movie before. So, like, I, I like, wouldn't even have even known to, to watch it kind of thing. Like, it just never came across um my my desk or whatever so yeah i'm at 39 i know that that's probably relatively low but um 
for like a film critic or whatever, but whatever you own it. And um, it just means that I have, you know, many movies that I need to watch. I got 61 films to catch up on. Yeah. Some, and some really great ones too. I think that's the fun of it is I look at this and being like, man, there's a lot of movies on here that I've always kind of wanted to watch for a while. And and this is probably going to give me the impetus Mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, like I never watched singing in the rain, which I know is silly. Like I, I've, I don't know why I haven't seen it, but I've never seen it. And I feel like it's one that you'd really enjoy. Probably. Yeah, I probably would enjoy it. Like I had a friend in high school, actually, um, who he loves singing in the rain. And he used to tell me to watch it. And I don't, I was in a thing back then where I was like, I don't like musicals. I don't want to watch it. I was like, why is he singing? I was like, stop it. Um, But I, you know, I, I know it. I've seen obviously some of the very, very uh, iconic clips from it. Um, It's one of those movies I think I've seen so many clips. I pretty much have seen the movie. Um, but never, yes, it I, is definitely one of those movies. Yeah, I've never sat down and watched it. Mulholland Drive is another one that um, I always hear people I'm talk shocked about. about that. I just never have seen it. Um, I don't. I don't. Again, it's one of those like I don't know why. You just never. You just never think some. You know, I don't know. I'm not. I don't even really know what it's about. If I'm honest, Mulholland Drive. I just know that it's a movie that people really love, and one day I will sit down and watch it. And um, but I, I was going through the list and trying to see like, um, you know, blind spots or just even just movies that I was interested in seeing that I'd never seen before. And the 100 one, which is called Black Girl, um, and it's by, I oh, I should look this up. I believe it's by um, a Nigerian filmmaker. Um, and it sounds amazing. Like, I'd, I'd love to watch that. So, yeah, that's been added to the to watch list, which is a, sing- a Singley's woman. Um, Mm -hmm. that's what the movie is about. So yeah, but yeah. Yeah. That was the number 99 movie. Yeah. The number 100 was a tropical malady, which is the, uh, Pong Rastakul movie. Oh, haven't seen that one either. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Um, now I know you said you had made a list of like, which five you're most excited about watching. Uh, do you want to share what, what are maybe your five biggest blind spots or probably ones that you're most likely to watch in the somewhat near future? Sure. So singing in the rain, Mulholland drive and black girl are in there. Um, also probably another one that you're surprised that I haven't watched portrait of a lady on fire. I know. And it's just like, what, three years ago that that came out. I, it, it was one of those that I was like, yes, okay, everyone's talking about it. I'm going to watch it. And then I never did. And then the years just went on. And I was like, oh, okay, I <laughs> guess I'm not watching that. But I will watch it. Uh, and the other one is Journey to Italy. Uh, I'd really love to watch mm-hmm. that one because, um, yeah, Rossellini, Bergman, can't go wrong. How about you? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put it down on the, the Portrait of a Lady on Fire contract to, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire talk there because I want to kind of talk about the the new ones that were added or, or thoughts mm-hmm. on them. But if I was to make a, a list of the the five, it would probably be uh, Playtime, uh, mm-hmm. The Piano, La Dolce Vita, Metropolis, and maybe something like The Red Shoes. I've got the box sets for both uh, Jacques Tati and uh, Fellini. And uh, so I, I have the ability to watch both Playtime and uh, La Dolce Vita like right away. So they're, they're definitely ones that are going to be pretty easy for me to, to get around to watching. La Dolce Vita is one of my favorites. I really, really love that movie. And I think I've told you, like it was part of the eight and a half thing. I was like, I don't know how you haven't seen these movies. Um, Metropolis though. I'm a bit surprised you haven't seen that one. I know. I know. 
It's, it, you know, it, we can we can list a hundred movies that we haven't seen, and I think every single one will both be like, "You haven't seen that yet? Well, how come you haven't gotten around that one yet?" Know, like that's yeah. just the nature of of being a film lover is there's always another film you haven't seen that someone is going to be shocked that you haven't seen yet. And that's part of the fun of it, though. I would argue too, right? Like, there's yeah, you'll never ever have a point where you've been like, "Well, I've watched all the movies." I've seen everything. Like, all the movies I've finished. I've seen it. all the movies. I'm done. I've done. I'm done with movies. Like I finished it. Yeah. It's like it's it's just impossible. And you know, you could even say like I'm going to finish all of the French New Wave movies, and that will take you a while. And then you'll mm-hmm. move on to like another. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'll never finish. And that's that's for people I think who are really into, and not just for film, but like into anything, like any topic, any hobby, like. It's never end. Like the the thing that is the best about it is that it's never ending. Like you can never finish it. It will always be something there, and that and that's kind of what is exciting to kind of continue to return to. Yeah, I agree. It's not like great. I finished movies. Now I'm going to start music. Yeah. Number one, Mozart. Yes. Let's do this. <laughs> no, it'd be like I guess it would one, be like Gregorian uh, cave drum music. sounds. It would be like yeah. yeah, it'd be like chamber music would be the first thing you start with, and be like chamber music yeah. done. Gregorian <laughs> sounds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I looked at this list, and there's so many more. Like we we just list. I know there's five, tons of I'm more. Scrolling I through again, I'm like, oh, I still haven't seen the 400 blows. I really want to see Contempt yeah. or the Battle of Algiers, or like I haven't watched any Tarkovsky, and there's that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, there, there's so many that i've watched i haven't watched i'll say lawrence of arabia is another one that i'm like i should really get around to watching this one day um but i just never have like if that's a movie that you grow up hearing about um or unless you're a bit older and they just came out when you were alive but like you know for our generation (laughs) it's you grow up hearing about it as this big epic right like right there with like ben-hur like those kinds of movies like it's they're epics and at some point if you like movies, if you're interested in, in film, like you will go and watch it. Um, but I would love it if they would do like um, that one seems like a movie that would be really nice. If, if I don't know, like Lightbox or something did a, a screening of it or something like that. Cause I, I feel like that's I one of those say, movies you need to see it on a big screen. Like it would be really cool. Yeah. I would say like uh, much how, I only saw 2001 Space Odyssey for the first time earlier this year. And that was because I specifically right. was waiting to see it in theaters. I would say the same with Lawrence of Arabia. If you've never seen it, that'd be like, don't watch it at home. Wait, wait till you go to a theater. It is just so epic and grand and, yeah. and the way it's photographed. That That's one that you really want to catch on a big screen. So shouldn't just like chuck it on my iPad. Just no, like on a lazy Sunday it's resting on my tummy and I'm just like watching it. Like shouldn't do that. That's, that's not. Yeah. Are, are you trying to conjure Martin Scorsese to, to come and haunt you? <laughs> You know what? I'm going to say, I think, I don't know Martin Scorsese. I'd like to think him and I would be buddies, but I feel like he would just be happy if you just watched it. <laughs> You'd just be like, just go You know what? He totally it. would. You know, it's like, I could have, I could have been watching Marvel, Marty, and I'm not. So, and he's like, you know what? Just watch it. Doesn't matter how you watch it. Just watch it. Although even, he would probably then, be like. I feel like. I was going to say, he'd probably be like, at least just put it on your TV. You don't need to watch it on your iPad. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like with, with, with Scorsese is like he loves movies so much, and it's so yeah. annoying that like every every single friggin' interview, someone's like, "What about Marvel?" And so I like know. he's gonna answer the question because it's asked of him. But in the long run, if you're watching movies, I think he's just gonna be happy because exactly. you're watching something and getting an enjoyment because that's what he does. He he loves yeah. watching movies. That's why he makes them. 
Yeah. I mean, I, this is very, a very off topic, but like talking about like Scorsese is like, I, the fact that people want to shit on him for, you know, I don't know, diversity issues or like even Spielberg, <laughs> like people want to talk about Spielberg being some like very niche art house guy. I'm like, these are, what are you guys talking about? Like Spielberg yeah. is one of the most populous film directors that we've ever had. And which is why he's been so successful. And Scorsese is responsible for, a lot of international cinema coming to the West, like to the States particularly, but mm-hmm. like generally speaking, English speaking communities, like that's, yeah. that's been him and, and, and Tarantino. And I hate that people are making me defend Tarantino because I don't want to, <laughs> but I have to, I'm just like, this is ludicrous. Like it's ridiculous. But anyways, that's besides the point. Excellent. Yes. I'm, I'm glad that it's besides <laughs> the point. Um, all right. The, the, I mentioned earlier, I kind of want to talk about the four new movies that came out in the last decade. We've mm-hmm. got Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, we've got Moonlight. We've got Parasite. And we've Moonlight. got Get Out. And I remember when, uh, in anticipation of the list, people on Twitter uh, were being like, okay, so you know, there's usually a couple movies from from the most recent decade that make the list. Which ones do you think are the ones most likely to do it? And, and in my mind... I was like, Parasite is the only guarantee, in my opinion, based on the way it's received. Mm. In my in my opinion, I would love it if Portrait of a Lady on Fire made it. And then if I was to name a third, I probably would have picked Moonlight. I think Get Out was probably the most surprising addition for me of this group. I know it's very well received, but I didn't think it would be that well received. So I'm pretty much the complete opposite to you. Um, oh. Get Out, Get Out was the only one that I thought that's in like in terms of new movies I was like get out's gonna be in there um I didn't really think about what else could be in like I didn't really uh, yeah I don't know maybe if I thought about it longer then I could have come up with more titles but to me the only one that I was like yeah for sure that's gonna be in is get out so I wasn't surprised at all um that it was in there and it just because to me it was the impact that get out had um, regardless of if you like the movie, like it, it's nothing to do with that. It's just like the way that Jordan Peele took the horror genre and, and really twisted it. Like, and it's not often that you see, like in this day and age, you can see a director um, be genre changing or genre defining. It, that doesn't happen that often anymore, just because of how many movies have come out and and you know so much has been done already. But get out was one of those ones that it did feel it it feels different to me and um so yeah that one i wasn't surprised by parasite was probably the one that i thought it'll probably make it on there and i'll be honest i know again like these are whatever um we're not meant to be arguing about should it have been or shouldn't have been but i was like oh parasite i was like really it's like if you're gonna choose (laughs) like uh, it's like if you're gonna choose one of his movies it could have been something else but it the impact of parasite was phenomenal again like just one of those that it was um a part of a bigger conversation as well and i would say the same for get out so yeah but i was the opposite to you for me get out was the one that i Mm. i was fairly certain would make it in and i think if the list came out just in alphabetical order and be like hey these were the hundred films that got the most votes we're not going to reveal what the votes are but these were the these were the hundred movies here they are in alphabetical order I don't think the discourse would have been the same. I think you would be able to look at these four movies and be like, yeah, that makes sense. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's actually a very interesting point. Like if people, if, if it wasn't 
numbered rank. So which of the four ranked the highest? Like which one landed the highest in the list? Portrait of a Lady on Fire was the first on the list at 30. So I I think that's what was really, really rankled people because, you know, you can scroll down just a couple movies after. You've got Psycho, you've got M, you've got Breathless, you've got Rashomon, whatever. And so the discourse is being like, are you saying Portrait of a Lady on Fire is better than Rashomon? Is that what you're saying now, huh? Yeah. And and that's the annoying thing is if, if this was in alphabetical order or whatever, you'd be like, oh, Rashomon and Portrait of a Lady on Fire made the list. Yeah, I, you know, that's a, that's a good mix of the old and the new. I think people would have been less eggy about it, but at the same time, the internet is just such a hellhole sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like people just want to complain it. And like ladies and lesbians, like they do not like that's not fair. Like we shouldn't put them on, yeah. on this <laughs> list. Like, come on. Um yeah. yeah, but it it's kind of a funny thing to me that like we we would benefit a lot from not ranking things so much. Um, but yet the internet is the thing that has perpetuated and like enhanced ranking as a thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many lists now that are just like ranking this, ranking that. And I've contributed to that too. So my bad, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of an annoying thing that everybody feels the need to rank everything and anything. Um, when really it should just be, these are the hundred best alphabetical order. There you go. Name like the top three, if you want, like these are the top three vote yeah. getters, but here, here are the hundred best. Like maybe that, maybe sight and sound needs to learn from this and just, just put them in alphabetical order. Yeah, because more or less I look at it as like, what is the difference between the number 20 movie and the number 80 movie? Yeah. Nothing really. Like yeah. you're talking about they're both influential on a grand scale that change the way we as film goers watch movies and influence artists to make their own movies as well. There's there's literally no difference between the number 20 movie and the number 80 movie. None I would also all. say too, because there were a lot of ties like throughout the list. So a hundred percent, like even just saying it was the number 20, it's like it, they're tied. Like a lot of the movies were tied with one another, which makes sense because this is the aggregation of, you know, a bunch of critics and, of course there's going to be a ton of overlap because everyone's working with the same sample. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's a funny thing. The, it's just the internet too. I feel like if you step outside the internet, if you told people this is a science set, they'd be like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Like that. That's interesting. Cool, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. It would then turn to which ones haven't you seen? Which ones have you seen? Not yeah. how is this number two? And this is number four. They should be switched. Yeah. Whatever, everyone's got an opinion. And that's fine, too, but I feel like we shouldn't be so, what's the word, angry about it all the time. Like, just be lax. All right. I think that's sort of a a good place to stop on the official sight and sound list. Now let's talk about if we were voters, how we would have voted. So do you want to go first and reveal your your ballot, or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. Why not? Please. Uh, so I went in, I, I'm going in alphabetical order because I think that's the appropriate way to do it. Um, so I went with eight and a half, uh, Beauty and the Beast, 1991 version, the cartoon, not the uh, live action. Before Sunrise, Casablanca, Dr. Strangelove, In the Mood for Love, Jaws, Old Boy, Pan's Labyrinth, and Rashomon were my 10. And I will say Old Boy, I 
toss and turn between old boy and seven. Um, those were two. And then training day also got in there um, as like the three that I was kind of debating, but I went with old boy. Um, and I did put two honorable mentions, which were training day and Jean Delmont. Now I didn't do this because of the list. I swear to God, I had mm-hmm. it earlier. We wrote these out. I think I wrote this out like a month or two ago. Cause when we were quite, basically quite while, coming yeah. up with this, and um, yeah, I and I because I had seen Jean Delmon earlier this year, and I really did love it. But funny enough, the reason I didn't put it in my top ten was because I felt like I'd only watched it this year, and so I feel mm. like I needed to like marinate on it a little bit more and like know more about the movie before I could put it in my top ten. Um, but yeah, but I do love that movie. So those I, are my 10. you know, I love I love your list. I, I want to talk about yours first for for just a few minutes. Um, it's it's awesome seeing a, a few movies that we have in overlap that I'm not going to reveal yet, but like seeing that you have some recent ones there as well too, like mm-hmm. uh, that you've got Before Sunrise, In the Mood for Love, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, and Old Boy. Those are all you. Know, we were talking about this earlier. You know, in the grand scheme of things, recent movies that like it's not like you know inventing uh, the Zoom. Like, like some of these movies on this list are where it's like that's this is this is their claim to fame is you know they invented editing like yeah. cross-cutting editing like that that is why they're on this list like some of the stuff like battleship potemkin where you know you're talking about literally the invention of cross-cut editing um in movies like that and, and so like it's it's always difficult when you're talking about movies you're like yeah an old movie you know like from the 60s well that's not really that old they're like yeah. okay so from the 30s it was like well you know what movies have actually been around since the late 1800s so like it, it's one of those things you, you start to argue and you're like all right great and so the earth was created on day one i'll start from there <laughs> the lumiere brothers everything after first um, yeah, yes. I mean, the way I, and I'd love to hear how you formulate your list, but the way that I put my list together was like, I wanted to go across different genres and I was looking more for like, kind of what I was saying, um, about get out, which I know is not on my list, but it was like this idea of what are the movies that are defining of the genre, whether or not it was from the twenties or from twenty twenty. Well, nothing from 2020 made it onto my list, but you know, like, mm. like it was just this idea of like, what are the ones that I think had a really, really big impact um, within the space that they kind of occupy. So like something like a before sunrise, you know, how many movies have come out after that, that like basically follow the exact same concept of, you know, one night, two people talking, that's it. And it's a beautiful movie and yeah. it really focuses on, script writing and that aspect of um of film and then something like jaws you know like i could have you could have put t2 in there you could put jurassic park in there like something about practical effects and and what that's done for 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 film in general and yeah so like that that's kind of how i was looking at it was just what are the movies that have moved and formed cinema into what we know it today and so i tried to reach across the different ones animation was one that i found a bit difficult um and the reason I went with Beauty and the Beast was because they did implement a lot of very, uh, at the time, very innovative techniques that um, are now obviously used. And I also thought the music is very, very beautiful. And I don't know if we've really recaptured how beautiful music used to be in uh, Disney movies. Um, but yeah, like that that's just kind of how I put my list together was looking at that. So um, 
Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to know actually before you reveal your list, how did you decide what movies were going to go in? Uh, yeah, that was, that was sort of, um, interesting topic where I was like, okay, how do I narrow this down? What's the difference between greatest and best? And that's sort of the definition you really have to start with. And one that when I was sending it out to people, I was trying to emphasize, I was like, there's a difference between greatest and best. I will let you decide what that difference is, but please try to take that into consideration when you are coming up with your list. And so when you start from that, then you, you sort of toss out, in my opinion, rewatchability is not something that I count very highly in my criteria for greatest because, Mm -hmm. you know, I look at something. um, I'll say for me, old boys, not a movie that I would want to repeat watch like that. I haven't really watched it too often um, unless I'm introducing it to somebody. And that's just because of the, you know, film, but like, I love it. And I think it's amazing. So I, I actually agree with you as far as much as I rewatch movies. um, I don't, I didn't count rewatchability as a factor. Yeah. Like I, I look at something like Requiem for a Dream. Mm. I've watched it once. I probably will never watch it again. Yeah. Does it deserve to be in the conversation for maybe some of the greatest movies of all times, especially modern movies? I think so. Um, but I'm never going to put it on my best movies list. Fair. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Yeah. Fair point. Like something like that. Uh, so th- so that, that was sort of the first thing I was going on. And then I started thinking about like, okay, in, in my mind, what are some of the, the things that – make uh, a movie so great you know you, you got stuff like script writing directing acting cinematography you're breaking down basically department by department of like what how how can a a different art form contribute to making something great or greatest and so that's sort of what i was uh, sort of looking at of my list um so i'll reveal my titles now and i think for both of us if anyone's listened to the show long enough we've we've mentioned these movies Mm-hmm. most of these movies over time i think i saw your list and i looked at it, i was like yeah that makes sense if, if i was to to make a list for you i would probably have gotten you know six or seven of them and i'm sure you probably would have gotten a similar amount of mine as well yeah fair i've actually i haven't heard your list uh, yet but, i think i told you to keep it a surprise oh, from me oh did i okay <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm trying because i'm trying to think i'm like what's on your like i can think of what i would think is on there but i'm like i don't actually know what's on your list yeah i think i told you not to tell me I almost wish I got you to like write down yeah, I should have a done piece of that. paper or something. Oh, that would have, that would have been fun. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Um, angry you men. can tell me which ones you're surprised by. I, I trust you that okay. you would be honest when I reveal it to you here. Okay. <laughs> um, so I've got 12 angry men, all the president's men do the right thing. Jaws portrait of a lady on fire. Rafifi seven samurai silence of the lambs, the social network, in vertigo no i don't know if i'm really surprised by any of those maybe silence of the lamp but i like i i see where that comes from like i get that um mm-hmm. but i think maybe the reason i just because um you're not into horror movies but that's not really a horror <laughs> horror movie it is a horror movie but not in the same way that i think the reason you don't really watch them that's a good list though mm-hmm. and a very dakota list yes you're right i would have definitely put that um for for that yeah that's amazing though if you so i know i didn't um i didn't want to rank them and you did eventually put yours in alphabetical order too uh <laughs> after, after me being like put them in alphabetical order um yes. if you had to choose your number one what would your number one be that uh, that that is it's tough hard. because tough yeah, yeah. Or three. Because on this list, your three. What are your three? Yeah, in no specific. On the on this list, incorporates several that I would 
overlap between greatest and favorite. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm looking at these. I'm like, well, of course, this is what this is. is my favorite. Um, oh, man, wow, that's that's a tough one. If I was if I was to say the top three of what I I believe are probably the greatest films of all time, I would probably say Vertigo. Uh, maybe do the right thing and mm-hmm. all the presents men or 12 angry men. One of those two. I can't, I, I can't decide. Interesting. Um, yeah, I would pro- from my you? list, I would probably say eight and a half Casablanca and oh, I was going to say, jo- yeah, Jaws. I think Jaws. Right. It's hard. I think Jaws, Jaws should be in there. <laughs> like I, I have a lot yeah. of uh, Jaws. Is another movie. I really haven't rewatched it very much. Like I watched it when I was a kid, and then maybe when I was a, a grown up later. Um, but I don't watch it a lot because it really genuinely scares me, and I, I don't like watching. Really? It. Yeah, it genuinely scares me. Like of all the movies, Jaws is one that really freaks me out. Um, but yeah, I'd say probably those three. Probably those three. Um, so let me ask you though, of your ten, you said like the overlap for the favorites. So what what's your overlap of the ones that actually give me the ones that aren't necessarily your favorite, but you put them into the list anyways. Um probably like if you made a silence of the lambs, favorites, yeah. Yeah, what one wouldn't be included? Exactly. Yeah, which one would you miss? Okay, off? Um, probably, probably Sons of the Lambs, Vertigo, maybe do the right thing. Okay, I think but like I... Twelve Angry Men, All the Presidents Men, yeah. Jaws, Portrait, Rafifi, Seven Samurai, Social Network would probably be in contention for that. With like Twelve Angry Men, um. And Rafifi being like one and two. Right. I don't think I realized how much love you had for social network, actually. Yeah, I, I really I, adore I that. And, that. you know, that's what I'm talking about where I'm going by the different criteria. Mm-hmm. The script. Like, yeah. mind-blowing. You you make the, the 10 yeah. best scripts of all time. That would be in there for me. Like, I think that's, that's where my inclusion for Before Sunrise comes in. Like, that's why I think mm, that's yeah. solely because of that. And, like, I think the performances are great. But, like, those are, for me, that that's kind of what makes it. Looking through my list, I think in terms of favorites that I would have left off, I think Beauty and the Beast. I don't know if it because I, I like Lion King better. Um, not that it's one for <laughs> yeah. one, but like, yeah, I think I think Beauty and the Beast I would leave off. Maybe Doctor Strange Love. As much as I do love that movie, I think I probably would have left mm-hmm. that off before Sunrise. And maybe Old Boy and Rashomon. Actually, I might take those off. Mm. Um. Yeah, actually, I think there's like a, like a good half and half of movies that aren't necessarily yeah. my favorites, but they're just movies that I think are are truly great movies. Um, and I think, I mean, both of us, they're they're are both our lists have truly great movies. Um, yeah, yeah. We only have one overlap though, which is Jaws. I was gonna ask, yeah, what was our overlap? Jaws, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Just Jaws. What what number yeah. did Jaws land on the sight and sound list? Jaws is not on the list. What? Yeah. Wow. Which like is shocking that because is shocking. I think one of the reasons that both of us are so highly of it, other than the fact that it's a damn good movie, is it 
that and along with Star Wars are basically the modern blockbuster films and, you know, love it or hate it. What has come afterwards in terms of the word blockbuster, uh, is a very worthy reason to be considered greatest of all time. That's insane that Jaws isn't on there. Jaws is like, to me, it's like objectively speaking, Jaws should be on there. No, (laughs) that's crazy. Wow. That's very interesting. Um, my other question for you about your list did you factor in performances? Like, did you look at, was there a movie that you thought like the reason this is in here is partly because of how great somebody's performance in the movie was? Mm, mm. Cause I'll say for me, um, no, I'll say for me, none of no? like I didn't consider performances. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. Despite, you know, being someone who went to acting school, yeah. uh, I've always been more drawn to directors than mm-hmm. I have as actors. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, what's your favorite actor? I was like, I don't know. I have a favorite actor. Ask me my favorite director. I'll give you a list of 20 right now. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, I, I think both of us can look at it and be like, yeah, our lists include movies that we would probably say have some of the, the finest acting performances, but that's sure. not the reason why we maybe picked it. You know, I loved Henry Fonda and 12 Angry Men. Or, you know, the, the, the duo of, of Hoffman and Redford and all the president's mm-hmm. men, uh, you know, the whole cast of Seven Samurai led by Tashira Mifune, um, Jodie Foster and Silence of the Lambs. Like all, all of these, you know, are, are, are great films with fantastic performances, but that's not the reason why I picked it. And I, and I imagine you're probably similar where you look at it and you can probably point out, you know – the same amount of performance of like, yeah, these belong in some of the greatest of all time, but that's not the reason why I picked it. Absolutely. Like I, I think for me, you say like directors, I I look at directors and the filmmaking, but for me, it's a lot to do with story and script like that. And then also, Mm -hmm. um, like I said, like, I mean, I said at the top, like, like the impact that these movies had and like the influence that they had, but yeah, I mean, like you look at Peter Sellers and Doctor Strange Love, and I mean, obviously that was amazing, and Tony Leung and Maggie Chung for for in the mood for love, um, mm-hmm. the vo- the voice performances and Beauty and the Beast, like all of them are spectacular, and you know it's, but for some reason performances aren't something that I'd be like that performance was so great that it's there. Although I will say, last year Tragedy of Macbeth ended up on my top mm. ten, and that was pretty much solely because of Denzel Washington. Um, yeah. So, Cause it's not really an original script, is it? But it's, it's nope. yeah. So, but it's like that, that was the reason for that. But for, for this list, I didn't even think about performances, which I was just realizing as I was looking at my list, like I didn't even consider who the actors were, or how good they were. Um, but obviously they yeah. were all very, very good in the movies, which is partly what makes them a great movie. Yeah, none of these movies would be successful if they had bad performances in them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But funny enough, like I, I find it interesting that like neither of us went to specifically um like the performances as something that we considered that we factored into our decision making. Yeah. I do like how we both have a, a Kurosawa movie, mm-hmm. uh, Seven Samurai and Rashomon. If you were to be like, if you can only pick two Kurosawa movies, which two do you think people should watch? They would probably be the two that people would suggest. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, like my, like a, I said that it wouldn't be on my favorite kind of because it's not my favorite Kurosawa. But to me, it's either between Rashomon or, or Seven Samurai when you're talking about the greatest movies. And again, and I know it's not one for one. Like he can appear on a list twice. Like there's nothing that says mm-hmm. he can't um but yeah i 
absolutely. You and I just kind of picked the two that were <laughs> the most obvious answers, basically, because um, they're both very, very good movies. I think I look at my list and uh, I, one of my criteria that I, I probably wasn't you know cognizant of, but I try not to repeat directors when I'm making lists like this where I'm like, Same. great, you know, like you got, you got to sort of spread the love a little bit. And so if I look at my list, if I were to include a second movie by one of the directors, I think the only one that would probably pop up again is probably Hitchcock where I would probably do mm-hmm. Vertigo and, and something else. What about you? Either Fellini or Spielberg. Um, mm. I think I know, like, I know we kind of made a joke earlier about Spielberg being considered like this art house director now, but, <laughs> um, you know, to me, when you talk about who is the greatest director of all time, factoring everything in I, Spielberg, it's difficult to argue against what he's done for film and, um, his success critically, commercially, like impact on cinema, impact in pop culture, like, so I think Spielberg, I probably would have included, I don't know, like a Jurassic Park maybe or something like that. Um, mm. And then Fellini, I, I loved La Dolce Vita. That's my favorite from him. Um, and I think it does deserve to be on a greatest list. I just think eight and a half is more uh, influential in the long run. I think eight and a half was is a better made movie than La Dolce Vita, but probably the two mm. of them. Kubrick actually maybe as well, because I think Space Odyssey deserves to be on there too. So maybe him. Yeah, you're naming movies that, like, if I was, you know, to do a top 15 or top 20, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I got to include some of that too. Yeah, <laughs> Which, exactly. like, is so difficult to do a top 10. And the amount of people that, like, we're about to now get into the the, the public poll that, that we did, uh, the amount of people that tried to push back and be like, well, can I do a few honorable mentions or can I do this <laughs> as well? And it's like, no, I'm, I'm following the rules. You have 10 movies, yeah. only 10. That's what you get. I mean, to be fair, I snuck in, like, two I think I snuck in three. And I ignored them. I was like seven training days on Del Monde. (laughs) Like I snuck those in. Um, But yeah, no, I, I, it's, you, I get it. It's tough though. It is tough to just do 10. It is very, very tough to do 10. Yeah, I, I, I made I was making jokes with people that would be like, oh man, only 10. And I'd reply something like, yeah, I, I probably have a better chance of asking you to memorize the entire periodic table than <laughs> I do of asking you to name your 10 greatest films of all time. 10, like, like and, like and you're definite and you're just like, these are absolutely my 10 like everybody will be like put this on my tombstone yeah like everyone's gonna waver on a few movies on a few i I had matthew who uh who wanted to change one of his like (laughs) no i I can't balance are locked see if i had been in control of this matthew maybe i would have let you change it depending on what you wanted to change And I'm happy he didn't because one, the film he wanted to change, uh, he wanted to switch out Zodiac for Into the Spider-Verse. And I was like, I'm glad you didn't because no one else mentioned Zodiac. Mm. And if I was to remove the social network, Zodiac would probably be also one I would consider. I love that movie. Zodiac is a very, very good movie. Yeah. Interesting. Great but, Zodiac. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, without further ado, I think it's time for us to reveal our top 10 and the thing is, like uh, we were just joking about, it's not actually a top 10. It is a top 12 because of ties. <laughs> you know, I I am so happy the way this worked out. I had 79 people respond to me. That is, uh, you know, people who write about movies. So, so critics, people who talk about movies, podcasters, vloggers, um, people who, who kind of discuss film in various formats that are, are in non-traditional ways. 
I've had directors, writers, actors. I am I am so impressed with the amount of people that that took the time to respond. So first off, I want to thank every one of these 79 people, 77 people, because you and I don't really count in this, <laughs> um, who took the time to uh, to do this. Because, Rachel, I did have to follow up with you a few times to submit your ballot. Yeah, I literally um, submitted it on the day of. I think I was on the deadline, and then there yeah. was... I extended um, it a little bit, but yeah, yeah. the original deadline it was when you sent it. I was on the deadline day, and I remember we have like a group t- chat with... Uh, couple well, they've been on the show alex hudson and brody condom and alex was like i'm so sorry guys like i haven't done it yet and i'm like hey alex neither have i don't worry about it <laughs> i was like it's fine yeah yeah um but uh through all this i'll, I'll give more statistics a little bit later but 376 different movies were listed which was really cool and i had a lot of fun a lot of fun parsing through all the data but um our top 10 is actually a top 12 just because of ties like i said so i will read them out um when ties occur they are in alphabetical order first so uh i'm not going to reveal the votes right now uh that because it doesn't really matter too much but here's the list number one We've got The Godfather. Number two, we've got Jaws. Number three, we've got Seven Samurai. Number four, we have a tie. It is 2001 A Space Odyssey in Vertigo. Number six, we have Citizen Kane. In number seven, we have a tie with Do the Right Thing and In the Mood for Love. And in number nine, we have a four-way tie with Casablanca, Goodfellas, Jurassic Park, and Parasite. Rachel, thoughts? Mm. Um, I won't lie. When I first saw the list, I eye rolled when I saw Godfather was number one. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> but I think it's interesting because we it's a list that, like you said, like you we, we picked people who aren't necessarily um, film critics, like who do it as their profession. We picked people who just really like movies. And uh, not not just really like movies, I shouldn't say that, because a lot of them do work in podcasts and writing and, and um, vlogging and things like that. But generally speaking, I think that like the list was surrounded by people who who aren't professional film critics. And so I think it's very reflective of that. And also, too, as much as I know you did try to get a different age range of people, um, I think mm-hmm. majority of us are probably within the same generation or two. Uh, and I think that that also heavily impacts the list. So, yeah, I think it's it's a very uh, – I don't want to call it a film bro list. I'm not going to go that far and say it's like a film <laughs> bro list. But it is one that I think it's not overly shocking. Like it's not um, – you know, you could get the – I'm sure people would be like, oh, like it's, it's not like a very sophisticated – but to me it's like it's very reflective of a more populist um, greatest – it's gonna call it a greatest hits list, but it's not greatest hits. Yeah. Um, the greatest films. Um, yeah, I think it, it's a bit more reflective of that. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assertion uh, about how it how it looks. Um, I agree. Yeah, you know, I was a little, I wasn't shocked that The Godfather yeah. was the number one movie. Um, it it's great. It's a classic for a it reason, is, yeah, and yeah. you know, uh, if I if I was to probably pick out movies of. The list for performances that would probably be near the top of the list of great performances between both Brando and Pacino. So like, it makes sense. Uh, and then, you know, we, we've got some overlap with, with picks of that you and I both have, you know, Jaws is on here. Mm-hmm. I had seven samurai on my list. You had 2001. I had vertigo. Uh, I had do the right thing. You had in the mood for love. You had Casablanca. 
Um, yeah. So like it, it re- it's reflective of our lists as well too. So mm-hmm. it, it sort of says something where, you know, when you're making a list like this, you're like, put your 10 down. You're like, great. Okay. So there's like two or three that I really need to have that I, I, I truly believe are in this. And then, you know, my personality starts to s- seep out a little bit and you sort of see a little bit more of who I am. And, and I think that's sort of how everyone sort of votes. Everyone, you know, like Godfather, obviously Jaws. Yep. Makes, makes sense. 2001. Absolutely. Okay. Now I can, you know, get my weird pick. I can, I can pick my obscure genre. I can pick my new movie. You know, I can pick whatever documentary I like, things like that, that probably isn't, wasn't making our list anyways, but everyone does that. So that's how you get this consensus top 12. Definitely. And, um, out, out of curiosity, if God, or assuming if we had a hundred, Godfather would be somewhere in the hundred. Is that correct? It would probably be somewhere in the hundred. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, if I, uh, what, how what high would 10, I have to go? To I was going to say, what grouping of tens yeah. would it? Was it be in the tens, twenties, thirties, forties, so on? Where would that? It would. For you? It would probably be in the thirties or forties for me. Interesting. I think I would go 50. I think for me, it's definitely a top 50 movie for certain. I can say that without having actually made a list of actually a hundred movies, I would say I would be absolutely confident saying it would be in the upper half of that list. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Is there any on there that that you were, is there anything on there that you were very like, um, what the hell? (laughs) Like, why is this here? (laughs) Because I, I only had 79 people respond, yeah. that meant that there's a whole lot of movies with only one vote. 243 movies got one vote. Oh, so wow. there's a lot of stuff on here that I'm like, oh, how'd this get on here? I'm like, oh, how did this not get more vote sort of thing? Uh, so so it's a good mix. And, and I find it hard to really sort of analyze a movie that only got one vote and be like, how could anyone do that? Uh, obviously, there's quite a few that sort of stick out that I'm just like, what? And like, I don't really want to like throw people under <laughs> the bus too much. But there's there's like one ballad in particular that is truly, it, truly awful. Do it. I, I'm not no, gonna. Don't, I'm not gonna reveal. Who I'm like, don't actually. Don't. But do you want me to, to to list the movies on it for comedy up effects? To you, or like, absolutely or up to you. If you want to call that, because whoever that person is, they will listen to it. So I don't. Will they? I don't know. I think um, they will. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. I'm just looking through the list now, and I like that. Like Sicario's in there. I like Sevens in there. Spirited Away. I love that. That's in there. Like that's that's. Mm-hmm. um that's amazing and i think like the full full-on list like there's some pretty cool um picks in there as well and um yeah i like i i funny enough though got it got out <laughs> get out <laughs> um only received a couple <laughs> only received a couple votes so that, that's actually kind of interesting yeah i'm i'm definitely surprised by that uh shout out to orla smith from uh, seventh row who is the only person who has gene dealman on her list nice. um that movie only got one vote for for hours so uh you win the the gold star prize of <laughs> having uh, the best taste uh, according to sight and sound <laughs> It's a great movie. I re- I want like I think it's it's the reason maybe people are a bit shocked by it or um it didn't go higher on our list. It's, it's just sh- sure purely the fact that um people haven't seen it. Like that's it. That's just mm-hmm. it. Like just just it's never been a movie that's on people's list. And now that it is, 
you know, go watch it. It's it's a good one. Oh, yeah. Scream made it on here. That's a good. That's a good shout. Scream's a good shout. Um, yeah, who was that? Uh, oh, that was um, Katie from I Hope You Suffer. Uh, yeah, yeah nice. she had some some interesting picks too. Yeah, uh, and that was the other thing is I was I was really hoping to get people who sort of uh, write or cover about more niche genres uh, mm, because yeah. it's so often overlooked. Like you look at the science sound list in horror, how many horror movies are on there? Like maybe three or four total. And right. so I know that's a big gripe when the horror community is like, we never get the respect we deserve. And, uh, and it was nice because I, I do follow, despite not being a huge horror fan, I do follow a lot of horror critics and podcasters on social media. So it was kind of fun being able to reach out to them and be like, Hey, I want to see what your list has and see what horror movies that they were including. And not all of them include horror movies in their list, which like, duh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, horror is like one of those, the the fans are strong. They're very ardent fans. They're very passionate about what they, what they love, which was great. Um, But it is a shame that horror and the comedy as well. Like it doesn't really get, the love that it deserves yeah. like drama fantasy sci-fi even action i'd say get more time yeah than uh than comedy and, and horror for some reason and those are like the two most audience friendly kind of movies i think those are the ones that like you really get an audience experience when they're good um but yeah that's interesting i'm like i'm just going through the list now it's, it's there there's some really good picks on here um and for matthew we should say spider-man into the spider-verse did make it on even without your vote so like with multiple people (laughs) yes so yeah absolutely didn't need you so uh as i mentioned earlier i am uh making a blog post where you're going to be able to see the full list of every movie listed a whole breakdown of a whole bunch of different stats including some of the ones that we're mentioning now so in case you're just like what's what's going on you love stats like me those can be there. Um, a lot of the stats I'm pulling is based on assuming every movie is equal in votes. So, you know, 376 movies is how I was approaching it. Not, Oh, the Godfather and then everything else sort of thing. Uh, but you know, some of the, I, I thought what was most interesting was looking at directors, 262 different directors or rather teams of directors, uh, ended up making the list. And, uh, and it's absolutely no shock that the number one director is Steven Spielberg. He had seven movies make the list, which is, you know, just not a shock at all mm-hmm. where you would, you try and name your favorite Spielberg and you're going to get 20 different answers from 20 different people. So it's no surprise that seven movies made his list. Stanley Kubrick in second with six movies, uh, both David Fincher and Akira Kurosawa with five movies apiece. Paul Thomas Anderson, Alfred Hitchcock, David Lynch, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, Martin Scorsese, and Denis Villeneuve all got four movies. And then I'm, you know, would be listing way too many to list everyone with three and two movies there. But uh, if you were to make a list of, you know, the, some of the greatest directors of all times, I think you're going to have Spielberg, Kubrick, Fincher, Kurosawa, Anderson, Hitchcock, Lynch, Miyazaki, Scorsese, and Villeneuve in your lists. For the most part, I'm going to push back on PTA. What the hell is he doing on there? <laughs> PTA is higher up than Fellini. <laughs> Shut up. No, he's not. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Give me a break. He only had two movies make the list, which I assume would be Eight and uh, a Half and La Dolce Vita. Yeah, which are the two most popular ones from Fellini. But And Fellini has some real stinkers, actually, I would say. <laughs> like, for such a great director. I mean, everyone has them. Even Spielberg's got some not so great ones. But yeah, um, doesn't surprise me, though. I mean, I was just saying about Spielberg. Um, 
doesn't surprise me at all because to me uh, he is the epitome of a director especially in the in the like the modern era i don't think that there's another director that is even like that comes close to spielberg um in what he no. has how he has influenced cinema um and just his output as well so it is very funny to me that the younger generation doesn't seem to be on board with Spielberg, but cause it's, it's funny cause our generation, we literally grew up with his movies. Like he, we kind of came yeah. of age at a great time. Cause you know, he made a lot of, I wouldn't say kids movies, but like movies that were pleasing to children, like a Jurassic park, like ET. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, all those, he's the definition of movie magic. Yeah. And, and so it, it makes me kind of sad. I won't lie to see like a younger generation, not really, up on spielberg and like kind of i don't know because i and i know it doesn't matter because maybe in time when they grow up a little bit then they'll realize how good spielberg is but for a director that has meant so much to to film and just to again our generation specifically i think um it's a bit of a shame that uh that the youngins aren't aren't on board with it or with him i should say and scorsese <laughs> like i'm said. like come on scorsese <laughs> that said, you know, two of his movies made our, you know, our, our quasi top 10 of Jaws and Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the voters of this poll skewed younger, probably, you know, in their mid 30s to their early 20s is, is probably the average age of, of yeah. the voter here. Yeah. I didn't collect that data, but like that's just me just sort of guessing based on the people I, I sent yeah. this out to. Well, I mean, that's why I said I think like it, this list is very emblematic of because like it is within our generation right like the majority of people are going to be plus or minus a generation from us like from um from from us so it's it's not surprising to me the movies that did come on there and the fact that spielberg does pop up a couple times more times than a couple times in the entire list um but very well deserved and uh go spielberg i will i will always be a spielberg fan even if he is art house now if you want to consider spielberg art house that's fine he's not but that's fine <laughs> that's absolutely fine but pta <laughs> above like pta's movies coming in more than fellini's is ridiculous just ridiculous yeah. the disappointing thing is only uh 22 women appeared on this list mm-hmm. which accounts for 8.4 percent of the total directors and the only women to have more than one movie listed were the Wachowskis, who had three movies listed, which was uh, The Matrix, Bound, and shockingly Speed Racer. Um, every other <laughs> the amount woman of disdain only had you movie. had for that there, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Sorry, uh, which. Yeah, it was, you know, actually, interestingly enough, it's a cinematographer who uh, who included that on their, their list. Uh, yeah, so I haven't seen it, so I can't really complain too much about it. I guess this is one of those things where, like, I shouldn't mock something I haven't ha- I haven't seen. So <laughs> uh, I just don't really have much of an interest in watching it. Yeah, Just being all judgy. Which, like, friend. it's shocking where, like, I look at this, this person's list and they have both um, – um speed racer and showa on the same list you oh know, wow showa the 10-hour holocaust Holy, documentary. that's quite the yeah okay that's, so that's someone, someone including list. stuff like that yeah it's, it's quite eclectic you know napoleon the 1927 movie war and peace the good the bad and the ugly showa ran do the right thing speed racer you know like when there's some people who had like some like questionable picks on the list i'm like okay 
your whole list is kind of questionable. But I see this. I'm like, this person sees something that speaks to them on a very innate level. So like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mock someone's ballot for that. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, like, it's exactly what we set up at the very top, which is these lists are incredibly subjective. And if you can find something in these movies, even if we don't agree with it, that's kind of it's part of the fun, though, isn't it? Like part of the fun is going through the list. And like you, you said, you had a good time, you know, parsing through all the data. And it's like part of it is because you're like, what the hell? Like, why is this on here? And, <laughs> and things like that. And I guess like the more positive thing would be for like the more yeah positive thing for us to do would like kind of think about why did that movie like what was it that somebody saw in that movie that they decided it was one of their top 10 greatest of all time mm-hmm. um like i'm going through the full list and there's tons of there that i'm like no <laughs> like i would never have put that on there but it's interesting to just as like a thought exercise of saying like well what what was it that what did somebody see in it um that that made them yeah. put it in there um and that's that's very interesting I think I was also looking at uh, the years that the movies came out and it creates a beautiful, perfect bell curve. Oh, really? Of, of when these movies yeah, came out. It, it starts out if we're, if we're going from newest to oldest or, or oldest to newest, it doesn't matter either way, where it slowly, gradually increases every single decade of movies that came out up until the 1990s, which was the most popular decade, and it slowly goes back down to 2020s. So 1920s was the oldest decade featured, and there was 10 movies, and then it goes up to 14, 17, 23, 37, 43, 44, 63 in the 90s, 59, 57, and 8 in the 2020s. Interesting. I want to say too, because like the fact that you said the '90s is the most popular decade, like this is why it is important for for lists like Sight and Sound um, to reach out to so many different people of different um, demographics. Because if you do have people from the same age group, like forget race, forget gender, and all that stuff, like just just the age group thing. you yep. are going to have a skewed result. Um, and that's not to discredit our list at all, but I'm just saying like, that's why for these bigger ones, like Rolling Stone and all those kind of things, if you don't reach out to a very, very broad spectrum of people, then it is not, it's not a list that you can say that is reflective of actual cinema or like film as a, as a medium, as a history. It, it's reflective of a particular demographic. And um, like, I think that we can very safely say our list is very, reflective of our age group and you know Mm -hmm. um the people plus or minus one generation from us uh and and that and it makes sense like if you think about that it really does make sense why the older movies that made it are like the more popular movies from those decades like from the 20s from the 30s 40s you know so it's yeah that that's that's really interesting though to hear that the 60s or the 90s was far and away the most popular not just like the most popular Mm -hmm. but like far and away the most popular yeah, if I was to go to the top three decades, it was the '90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. There you go. Like, and it makes again, it makes sense, yeah. doesn't that it? That says everything. It yeah. Absolute sense because of the people that responded to this were all around the same age. So there you go. Yep. I would be love if I could take like a 20 year old, like a bunch of between the ages of 15 and 25, ask those guys to make a list right now. I would be fascinated to see what they say. <laughs> 
Well, I can read you out that list again of that ba- one, that one really bad ballad. No, don't do it. I'm trying to see <laughs> you. I keep moving it along. I'm like, stop it. Let's move on from that ballad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we we're talking about how comedy is sort of underrepresented. I was looking at, I was going to like do a breakdown by genre. I was like, oh my God, this, this would be literally impossible <laughs> to do because then you're like arguing about, okay, what's Silence of the Lambs? Is it a thriller or is it a horror? And then you're getting into like sub-genres yeah. of a main genre genre and you're like okay but then you're just going to the parent genre of like how it all breaks down basically i looked at i'm like okay these movies are either comedy or not comedy that's basically the only way you can sort of sort uh, a film i was like well that's stupid that's not gonna work so instead i decided to look at um genres that are not actually genres so jeff please do not send me another (laughs) uh insane episode that you record based on this data um where I broke it down, foreign language films, of the 376, we had 101. 26% of the movies are not in English, which I thought was pretty cool to see. Uh, the next biggest uh, demographic is animated, which there was 25 of them. Documentary, there were 17. There were 12 silent films and five short films. And obviously, there were some of these movies that like are, are you know... Um, are can cross multiple boundaries. You know, I look at something like I'm just scrolling quickly through your name, which is both a non English movie and an animated movie. So it, it ticks both of those boxes. So it's not like, uh, it's, it's totally representative of, you know, you can't add this up to a hundred percent, but still, I thought those very interesting numbers. Did you have any thoughts on those numbers? I'm fascinated that short films got in. Um, yeah, like documentary, I, I think couldn't be included. Very underrated documentary. Like, um, I mean, in the last year or so, I would say I've, I've watched more documentaries probably in the last year than I have my entire life. Um, and it's a great medium. Like, it's it's in, like I love it. And there's so many wonderful stories to be told through documentary. And um, there is a very specific art to making a documentary versus a feature, a narrative feature. Uh, mm-hmm. so that I get. Short film though is fascinating to me because it th- those are not one widely available to watch. Um, although I again, great, like I've seen some pretty fantastic short films, um, but that that's really amazing to me that some people picked a few short films, not not just like one person either. Like that, there's actually like a few mm-hmm. selections from short film. That's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I was I was very impressed by that, and I was actually kind of happy that some shorts were included mm-hmm. too, which was uh, I which never was even cool. would have thought about it to be honest. Like I never even would have thought that yeah. short film would make it on there. So I, yeah, it, it just wouldn't have have come to me to think like, oh, I hope that short films are on there. I just wouldn't have thought that they would have been. Yeah. The last fun thing I kind of want to talk about is I, uh, I I know it's a bit of a trend of franchises, and I sort of wanted to point out which movies, <laughs> which which franchises had multiple entries. Uh, that because normally you you sort of think about franchises or series where there's multiple great movies. You know, you and I were both like one one director, one movie per director. That's our rule. Um, it would be the same with movie franchise. It'd be like, you can only pick one and that's yeah. the representative of it. But it was sort of interesting. Um, so I sort of grouped it in, in, in ways, the Godfather and the Godfather part two both showed up. Obviously I think there's no surprise there. Uh, Jurassic park made our, our top 10. So did, uh, and made our expanded list. The lost world Jurassic park got one vote, which is a choice. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> Moving on, uh, Lord of the Rings. All three movies made the list. That doesn't Return surprise of the King me. had the most votes. 
I know. The Return of the King had the most with six votes, uh, Fellowship next with four, and Two Towers with three. Only one person had all three on their ballot, which, in my opinion, I feel like that's wasting two spots. Um, <laughs> uh, but I was still quite surprised that all three movies made the cut. Yeah, if, if somebody thought that those three were the greatest movies, though, like, you know, more more power to you. It was clearly somebody did think that. But that doesn't surprise me, though, of like um, – of the fact that that is the franchise slash trilogy that made that all three made it on there. Like that doesn't surprise me at all because they're not movies for me. I don't really like them. If I'm honest, I've seen them I think once. All yeah, of I'm them. not crazy about yeah, them. I'm not either. crazy over them, but like, I get it. Like I get that Lord of the Rings is a massive thing. And I get that Peter Jackson did some pretty incredible work on those movies. So yes, like, I think that that's, that's very um, appropriate. I think that of, all of the different trilogies slash franchises that could be in uh, that could be on here, that that's the one that all three of them showed up because yeah, is it, I could be wrong. Is it a generally accepted thing that all three are good or is, do they have one stinker of the three? I, I, I think the general consensus and I'm sure people will correct me if I'm wrong is, you know, one and three are, are kind of the ones that people will go to because, mm-hmm. you know, three wraps everything up right. and, you know, does a great job of, of concluding the story. One does a great job of, of setting the story in motion and really building the world. So mm-hmm. I think they kind of get most of the mm-hmm. love. And Two Towers is almost like the, the indie pick of like, you know what? I like the middle one. Right. The indie pick. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, okay, that's interesting. So, like, I mean, across the board, yeah. though, it's, like, three strong movies, which is also very difficult to do in a trilogy. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, there's not many trilogies out there that I would say all three are good. The only one I can really think of off the top of my head is um, Planet of the Apes, like, the new ones. Um, the new ones. And even that, I would say the first one is definitely the weakest by far. It is, but it's still and a great movie. that's only in though. comparison. So, like, it's still a very yeah. good movie. So, like, I'd say all three of those. Yeah. But other than that, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough coming up with, with the making trilogy. So, cool. Good on Lord of the Rings. Good job, Peter Jackson. Yeah. So, like I said, one person included all three. But I was a little worried that people would just say the Lord of the Rings, and that was their oh. vote. <laughs> And so very specifically in my, in the ballot that I sent out, I I included very minimal criteria, but one of them is only 10 movies and you cannot include things as one movie. So trilogies don't count. And I very explicitly said the Lord of the Rings counts as three movies, not one. And I had two people put the Lord of the Rings and nine other movies. So I was like, no, no, that's 12 movies. You cannot do that. You can either pick one of them or you have to eliminate two of your choices. So I had two people I had to follow up with and be like, you, you, you have to clarify your ballot. If you don't respond to me, I'm going with the first movie. Unfortunately, that's how it's going. You and they both are, responded to me and they're like, oh, sorry, I thought I could do it. You were a real, you know, real taskmaster on this one. I, I had to be. I wanted, I wanted this to be as authentic as possible. Yeah. See, if I had done it, I'd just been like, yeah, so. it's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, continuing on, we're we're going on long here, so I'm going to try to wrap this up a little bit. Uh, Star Wars, both the original and The Empire Strikes Back, made the cut with five votes apiece. No shock there. Mm-hmm. Solo, a Star Wars story, received one vote. Move on. 
move on. Okay. <laughs> no more, no Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 both made the cut. Uh, yeah. No shock about Blade Runner getting four votes. 2049 getting a vote, I think, is a, is a you know, that's, you know, someone's personality seeping into yeah. the votes. And I think that's kind of cool. Very cool. Uh, both Toy Story and Toy Story 3 made the cut. I believe Toy Story 3 is the superior Great. film in the franchise. But uh, Toy Story, obviously, being landmark of the first CGI movie ever, deserves to be there, too. And and again, like we said, like I'm, I don't really like Toy Story two, but I think objectively you could say it's like a fine movie. But in comparison to yeah, one, I think three, so too. Yeah. Um, it's not a good movie. But like as on standalone, it's a good movie. But yeah, I, I I would completely agree with you though. Three is three is the best of that one. Yeah. But we are also a perfect uh, eight for three. Like I, like three. The reason I think a lot of us like it is because it hits a lot of emotional beats that resonate with yes. people of a certain age. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and then uh, two interesting ones that aren't really franchises, but they sort of are. You've got In the Mood for Love in 2046. Mm-hmm. You know, 2046 is a quasi-sequel to it, uh, Wong Kar Wai claims, uh, even though it's not really. But he calls it a sequel, so I'm counting it as a sequel here. It's a part of a um, like a spiritual trilogy. There's a third one. Yes. I can't remember the name. Yes. Angel something in English. It's like angel. The word angel is yeah. in English, yeah. Continue. Uh, and then the last one, also the, the 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 least tenuous one I could get here is uh, the Dark Knight. No really surprise considering the age demographics here, mm-hmm. and Batman and Robin getting a vote as well. Yep. Okay. Move on. <laughs> um, and that was from our friend Jeff from Classic Movies Live. So, uh, Rachel, do you have any thoughts about Jeff having Batman and Robin on his ballot? Which one was Batman and Robin? Like, what what happened in that one? <laughs> Who was the Batman and Batman that's, and Robin? That's the George Clooney one. With oh, the okay. Yeah, no, Jeff, sorry. Sorry, buddy. If you're going to put one of those ones, it's Batman Forever is the better one. <laughs> like, that's that's a great Batman Forever. <laughs> it's, like, solid. Yeah, I, I, I have no comments. Okay. Good on you, Jeff, if you really like that movie. Clearly you did. So, yeah. Well, then, I, I kind of need to get your thoughts on Jeff including Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah, no, I have no thoughts. I have no thoughts on that. Um, Jeff, come on, you got to You got to do the thoughts. I, I told Jeff, I'm going to bring this up. So you got to tell me what your thoughts are. Oh, you told Jeff, you're going to bring this up. Um, okay. If that's, Oh yes, I did. I I didn't know if we were just like, like just like throwing him under the bus. Jeff's a friend. Jeff can handle it. Okay. Well, Jeffrey, I don't really understand the point of adding that movie, but I think I could be wrong. He's not the only one that did right. Freddie got fingered, got two votes. If I'm not mistaken, that is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, another person. Maybe included. maybe we're missing. <laughs> no, we're not. Um, but I I think <laughs> I my thing with Freddie Got Fingered being in there is and I mean and Jeff can defend his point and I'm sure he will do an episode defending his list. <laughs> I feel like that that's going to be the next thing to come. Um, when I look at Freddie Got Fingered, I. I don't see like again the way that I put my list together was a lot of it had to do with how it impacted cinema and like film and pop culture and things like that. And Freddie got fingered. I don't even think like Tom Green as a comedian has really stood the test of time. All due respect to Tom Green. <laughs> um but I just like I don't think that his brand of comedy la- it was very relevant for a very particular period of time and then after that it, it wasn't. Um, for various reasons like we just kind of have moved on from that type of comedy and um 
I mean, I saw him on that show, Last One Laughing, I think that's what it's called. Last One Laughing, He seemed very sweet and like a very, very nice man. So good on you, Tom Green. But yeah, I I just, I don't see, like I was trying to say like before, you know, we should try to find what it is about a film that speaks to somebody or makes somebody want to put it on there. Freddie Got Fingered, I can't really think of what. Although you said something to me that there was something like not to do with the movie, like the of the effect of the movie afterwards it was more so that uh he shockingly was given i can't remember the budget right, but right, several right, million right. dollars to make a movie with zero interference from the studio and he was just as shocked as anyone else and basically made the movie as ridiculous as possible but uh it's sort of funny that you you know you mentioned about jeff having a rebuttal um we actually have a voicemail from Jeff about uh, his defense of Freddy Got Fingered. Hey, this is Jeff from Classic Movies Live, and I am here to briefly say why I think Freddy Got Fingered is one of the greatest movies ever made. Written and directed by Canadian comedian Tom Green, uh, Freddy Got Fingered is a Dadaist masterpiece in the spirit of old abstract artists. A recurring theme in Dada is begging the question of what can even be considered art. And Tom Green does exactly that with Freddy Got Fingered. It should, by all means, be considered a movie. It's got a plot. It's got recurring characters. It's got recurring jokes. It flows very nicely. But none of the connective tissue is at all conventional. Characters will act randomly. B and C plots end up lasting for seconds before swinging around and servicing the A plot again. It's kind of the best thing that a movie can be, which is fascinating and interesting. And I think its influence is just starting to leave its mark on the film world. Anyway, that's all my time. So thank you very much. And please watch Freddy Got Fingered if you haven't yet. It is art. And he thinks. Freddy Got Fingered is the is there not another movie that, is, that does that really well <laughs> or is it only Freddy Got Fingered that does it listen I was just say I don't know Jeff likes the movie he sees um, some importance behind it um, you know I mean he could come at me and be like what's up with Jaws <laughs> why would you put Jaws on there <laughs> like no like I, I I get it like you know those are his 10 and those are the ones and clearly he knew that he needed to defend it um but yeah I, I mean if if he finds joy in those movies and um importance and significance in them of this what is it the daddest daddest yeah how do you even like d-a-t-a-s-i like no d-a-d-a oh do you know when you when i thought it was like because that's that line that daddy would you like some sauce? i thought that's what you were going for (laughs) that's what i thought it was i was like wait you can't just make up an art form because of this movie now if you'll excuse me i still have some work to do daddy would you like some sausage daddy would you like some sausages daddy would you like some sausage sausages sausages why not? Yeah. Religions have started over less. That's very true. Um, no, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just trying not to be too harsh on Jeff here, but I, you know, if, if he found, I, I personally don't see it or understand it, but I don't need to like, good on, good on you, Jeff. I'm going to give Jeff a shout out how you and I picked different Kurosawa movies. He picked a different one as well. He has Yojimbo on his mm. list. 
That's a really good one. I think Yojimbo, um, Akiru is the other one that I was like, I think those are, I mean, he's got a lot though. Yeah. Akira's always got a lot that you could have. <laughs> he's like Spielberg where you can name 10 yeah. movies and, and argue that all of them are, are the greatest. Him, him and Spielberg kind of sit in a very similar realm for me where it's just, they have such a solid filmography. Scorsese too, actually. Like they have such a solid. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, grouping of films that it, you can't really go wrong picking two three four five from them like it's yeah they're all very good mm-hmm. so um that's cool so so it went freddie got not freddie got yeah freddie got fingered and then yojimbo that's um good that's eclectic <laughs> good job well done jeffrey i i am going to be sharing some ballots as promotional for this uh jeff actually uh sent me a mock-up of his ballot and I was like, hey, that's really cool. Would you mind making a bunch of these nice. uh, so I can use this promotion? And so he did. I sent him uh, some ballots. Uh, and so we will see some individual ballots and we'll be able to comment on on people's picks and things like that. Other than that, I don't feel totally comfortable revealing everyone's list and stuff like that because they are very personal at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is now uh, the time where uh, I want to I wanna thank some people that, that did this. You know, I mentioned 79 people submitted ballots 77 i should correct that because you and i don't really count in this matter um but we've got some some interesting people i mentioned filmmakers responded to this and i cannot believe we got nine directors that i am just absolutely blown away that they managed to submit their list bing Lu, the director of minding the gap submitted a ballot that like that was a complete cold call on twitter where i just sent him a message and he's like yeah sure totally that sounds really fun i'll do that for sure very he probably cool. has a ballot on the official site and sound one yeah. i don't know i didn't check but i'm sure he does it's very very cool very cool yeah uh hugh gibson who directed the documentary the stairs <laughs> that we talked about on our uh toronto set movies episode submitted a ballot uh, our new, well, my new colleague, Jeremy Lalonde, who directed the amazing film Ashgrove, which is, is probably close to my top 10 of the year list so far. Uh, thank you for, for him doing that. John Dashback, who directed the documentary Come Back Anytime, who I believe both of us have interviewed, haven't we? Yep. Yeah, we both did. I did for yeah. POV. You did for the um, for this podcast. Yeah. For the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Kat Jamie, who directed the Grizzly Truth, yeah. was uh, someone who you have interviewed and uh, was nice enough to submit a ballot. Uh, Kyle Edward Ball, the director of Skinamarink, who I think is is going to blow up in in horror circles. I, I'm seeing so much praise for his movie. I know you called it uh, probably the scariest movie you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, so that was awesome that that he submitted a ballot. I also really want him. I mean. Because I want him to succeed because he's very clearly very talented. But I actually interviewed him and I still have yet to publish that interview. So sorry, Kyle, if you're listening to this. Um, but uh, he told me I was like the first real review that like he got, like a published kind of review from Onyxclaim. That was the first Whoa. one that he got. Yeah, which was really neat. Like, And I picked his movie um, off the Fantasia list just based off of, I think it was just the image. Like the image that they had was it's very a, it's a creepy. Creepy poster, yeah. It was so creepy. And that's, it's like that's just like I, a Barbie doll in yeah. a really grainy image. And that's why I picked it. And yeah, ended up being truly one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. So I'm very happy for him. His movie's coming out in January. A little plug for him. He's uh, It's actually getting, it's got distributions nice, yes. coming out in theater. It's going to be on Shutter. It's going to be great. 
Yes, yeah. And I know a friend of the show, Callum McNabb, has been like yeah. harassing him weekly of like, when's this coming to Scotland? So he, I need to know. Callum was like one of the first people I messaged after I watched the movie, actually. And I was like, hey, like whenever this makes it over to you, like however, you need to go watch this. I said he's going to really like it, so. I know Scare Producing doesn't do interviews, but I would so love yeah, that'd to be see a really Callum good one. talk to Kyle because they interact on Twitter a lot these days. Yeah. yeah, he'd be a really good one. Kyle's a great interview, and one day you all will be able to see that interview, but he is a read about it. Um, but he is a very, very good interview. <laughs> Nice. Uh, next director was Mark O'Brien, who also both of us have interviewed um, for his movie, The Righteous. So huge shout out to him. And then uh, Stephen Kazansky, who uh, directed Psycho Gorman in The Void and also holds a unique distinction of being the only filmmaker to submit a ballot and to have uh, a vote for one of their films. Very he did cool. not vote for his own film. I will put that out there. <laughs> Nathan Sizemore from I Hope You Suffer voted for The Void and put that on the list. So that's a, that's a really cool distinction that I love. I can say, yeah, we have a director make the list and submit a ballot. Very neat. That's very, very cool. I love that. Yeah. And the other celebrity I, I kind of want to give a shout out to is Tanner Zipchen, who uh, most people probably remember from he he was the in-host uh, Cineplex's in theater host so he'd do like the pre-show stuff and that was that was something that like a lot of people know who he is and now he does yeah yeah (laughs) and now he does uh, a bit of acting and he he still does hosting and interviews and stuff like that so really cool that that tanner z uh submitted a ballot he was one of the ones that um that jeff made a ballot for and he's and he's like what tanner z made i'm such a fan (laughs) so uh very cool. And Again, thank you, Tanner, a for very it. generational thing. Like you had to sp- a to little be, bit. Yeah. It had to be a very specific time. You went to the movies a lot that you would be like, holy shit, that's Tanner Zipchen. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then I want to shout out uh, other podcasters, podcasts of a friend of the show, Bill, Bill Antonio from bad game movies, Callum McNabb from scare traducing Jeff and Pierre from classic movies live. Matthew and Simon from Awesome Friday, Paulo from the Oscars Death Race podcast, Sam and Hugh from Please Watch This, uh, Nathan and Katie from I Hope You Suffer, and Kyle and Mary Lee from Once Upon a Time at the Oscars. They're either people who have been on this show or we've been on their show. Uh, so just thank you to the to to these podcasters. You guys are all awesome and and great friends and supporters of this show. And then lastly, friends of the show who don't fit into the podcaster realm, but uh, people who have either been on this show or were just, you know, friends within the criticism community. We had uh, both Brody and Alex submit ballots. Uh, Alicia and Rose, your two colleagues from the Asian Cut submitted ballots. Sammy Felchenfeld, who's been on the show a bunch of times. Stephanie Pryor, uh, Taylor Baker, Thomas Stoneham Judge, Todd Pangeli. Thank you all. Like there, like I said, there's 79 people that submit ballots, and I, I, I want to thank all of you. I list you all in the blog post, so so if I didn't mention you here, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, it means a lot that you took the time and submitted this ballot. Thank you, everyone. I appreciate it. And thank you again, Dakota. You genuinely did put a lot of work into this. And um, I think it's <laughs> like you, gen- you really, really did, though. You put a lot of work into this. And I think it turned out really well. Um, and I know that I saw, I can't remember who it was, so forgive me, but I saw somebody on Twitter who was like, oh, yeah, there is another list. Like, you know, ContraZoomPod was doing one. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. And like, um, you know, it, it's it's great when 
we have a list like sight and sound go up and um then there's a bit of a, a way to respond to it in your own way, like a way to vote for, for something on your own as well. Um, and you did that. So yeah, I think you deserve a, a good shout out here for that. So thank you Dakota for doing that. Ah, well, thank you. Uh, and so now this is our new outro. This has been a that shelf podcast. <laughs> uh, you can visit thatshelf.com for more great film discourse. Rachel, uh, thank you for, for helping out with this. Where can listeners find more of you and what have you been working on? And you better mention the thing that you were talking about to me before the show, because that's really cool and impressive. Um, again, I really didn't help out on this episode. I just, just joined in. I just logged into the chat and, um, I'm here, but I, I didn't actually help out with the organization, but, um, let me see where, so rachelkh.com, uh, is my website underscore rachelkh on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, in terms of what I got going on, I'll say I, I had an interview with Jeremy Lalonde recently go up on that shelf um for is the release of Ashgrove um being in theaters and i i think i couldn't say this like he has a physical release coming out as well which is very cool so um so yeah nice. so there's there's that interview which is on that shelf which is appropriate now to continue to shout out the that shelf stuff um and yes synergy yeah and um i have a review on the globe and mail which is a very cool thing to be able to say that i can write i have a byline for the globe and mail now so yeah it's for spoiler alert which is jim parsons new myth film has sally fields bill Irwin, and ben aldridge who's a fantastic in it and uh, it's a cute movie so you should go watch it because it came out this weekend um but yeah not only are you on Global Mail, you were you're physically printed. You're not just on their yeah. website. You have a physical copy of that, which is very, you know it, that's very um, old school, classic, but uh, very cool nonetheless. It is very cool, and I think the fact that we don't have as many opportunities to be in physical print anymore, um, it makes it so like when it does happen, it's very very cool. So like I've been very lucky like i've been on exclaims physical copy for a while um for a while i've been on it a few times um i was in like a chinese magazine and and written in english i don't i don't write chinese for anybody wondering um and pov magazine i got on their last print issue and like yeah so it's very cool when you get to be in print um because it's like a physical thing that you actually get to Mm -hmm. hold it and to to have it not just a digital file. Not that I have anything against digital writing, because obviously I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm pretty sure the Global Mail is still Canada's most circulated newspaper. I th- which I is believe pretty cool. So yeah, I, I mean it is. They're not oddly Canada doesn't have that many national papers. Like we, every province, it's the only national paper I'm aware of. Yeah, is National Post not national? Because that would be oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, those would, those would be the two. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I would say National Post and Globe. I think are the only two. Everything else is um, yeah. local, like a regional or, or provincial paper. The Toronto Star does have Canada wide reach, but you know it is still mostly focused on Toronto and Southern Ontario stuff. Yeah, is it distributed outside of Toronto? Outside of Ontario, it is. Oh, yeah. Well, that. you can you can get the the big newspapers anywhere. That's you, true. Yeah, you can true. go and pick up a. Winnipeg Free Press, if you yeah. want, if you if you know where to look. I will say, you shout out the Winnipeg Free Press. You did not tell me you were going to do that. Um, I actually really love the Winnipeg Free Press. They they have some really good. <laughs> they have really great articles on there and like really good writing. So there yeah. you go. 
Um, you didn't mention uh, the Asian cut. Make sure you check out the Asian cut. It's always in the show notes, bookmark it. It's a fantastic website. You and Alicia and Rose and your ever-growing roster of writers are doing fantastic work. So um, I know you hate self-promotion, so I will do that for you. Thank you. And I say Jericho um, today, one of our writers, just recently put up a review for Plan 75, which is Japan's entry for the Oscars this year. It's a great movie. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's all that fun stuff. Like I said earlier at the beginning of the show and multiple times throughout, there is a blog post as well that is going to accompany this with even more great fun stats and cool stuff like that. So please check that out. That'll be in the show notes as always, because everyone knows I am obsessed with show notes and making sure I am linking and crediting people wherever possible. But you can follow this show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod. What does your greatest films of all time list look like? Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. And also huge, huge, huge thank you to Stephanie Pryor for making the amazing special graphic for this episode. I'm going to get stickers printed. If you want some stickers, people, let me know uh, and, uh, and we can work something out because these are going to be really epic. I've got some, I got a cool idea for it and I think it's going to be great, but yeah, thank you, Stephanie. Amazing work. Uh, and if you like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, we do post all episodes there as well. And if you really like the show, consider tipping us on coffee. Thanks for checking us out. Mm-hmm.